The Real Estate Talk Podcast, Season 2, with Robert Kyleman and Joshua Britt. That's correct. Featuring topics about real estate nobody is talking about. And get your expertise on it. The Real Estate Talk Podcast starts now. Welcome to another Real Estate Talk Podcast, Season 2, Episode 4. Going to have an interesting discussion today about that scams Noah's solar panels. <laughs> Do these green energy alternatives increase your home's value? We're about to find out. Stay tuned for more. There are numerous websites out there on the internet that boast, I mean, literally boast the benefits of going solar. You know, they'll talk about how much it's going to be better for the environment, uh, but they also claim that increases your home's value. Okay. And is that always the claim, uh, necessarily the case? You know, that's what we're going to discuss a little bit. Fair warning for some of those solar owners or enthusiasts out there that may be caught off guard by this discussion. Stay with us to find out more. But before we get into that, let's do some introductions. I'm Rob Kyleman. I'm Joshua Britt. There you go. We're real estate agents and investors. And in joining with us today are two special guests. We got Brooks Sinnon. He is a real estate appraiser, uh, as well as Patrick Cicchini. He is also both from the same company, Sinnon and Green, Sinnon Green and Associates. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming. Happy hey, to be here. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. All right. All right. So let's get into this first claim. Okay. This first claim comes from ConvertSolar.com. I'm going to go ahead and put that up on the screen so everybody can see it. And this comes directly from their website. They claim that when you get solar panels installed, you're automatically increasing your home's value. Typically, homes with solar panels uh, are worth about $20,000 more than homes without solar. According to Zillow, a home with solar panels can sell 20% faster and have an increase of 4% equity than a home without solar. I don't necessarily agree that as a licensed real estate agent. Do you, Josh? Absolutely not. Let's turn over to the appraisers here. One of you guys, what do you think of that? I think it's a bit misleading. Um, you know, certainly would like to see their, their studies or their research, uh, what kind of due diligence they did on that. Um, but Pat, you want to touch on this? Yeah, I think it's important to, um, to approach it as we do in appraising with, with every variable. Um, and it's important to understand that we have to apply an adjustment, uh, but we also have to support that adjustment and prove that adjustment. And we were talking earlier, um, you know, I always approach it from a who's your buyer standpoint, right? Any agent that sits down with the buyer, talks about what, you know, what's important to us. And you've got your set of criteria that you're out there when you're showing properties to these potential buyers. Mm. You know, as an appraiser, we like to look at it and say, all right, if there are 10 buyers for each home and they were to sit down and write their top five or top list, 10 list of wants and desires, where on that list the solar panels fall? And, you know, I've done several classes here lately. And when I pose that question to, to agents, you know, I've probably asked 200, 200 plus agents in the last three weeks I've had zero hands go up when I've asked them, you know, when you, how many buyers have you been with that have, you know, that was a big want and desire uh, for their, for their search. And you so got, you guys are agents. How many buyers would you say when you're showing properties or entertaining in the market? Every buyer I've ever worked with, zero of them have asked me for solar panels on a house. 
Yeah. Bingo. Never had it. Never had anybody say, hey, solar panels are going to make the difference between me buying this house or not. Never yeah. had it. Well, and I, I think it goes back to their original focus is, you know, and they, they approach the, the selling of these solar panels with number one is let me tell you how I can increase the value of your home. And so I think it's, you know, from a misleading standpoint, and I've had recent calls from solar panel folks, and that was how they led the conversation. And I told them that, you know, you called the wrong person, you know, how long, how long you got, um, you know, let's go through it. And so, you know, for us, again, when, when we have to support our adjustments for an in-ground swimming pool, for a remodeled kitchen, you know, we have to have data that supports those adjustments. And we just don't have it in this market locally. And and I would say some of these studies do um, note California studies. And, you know, I think maybe it's, you know, real estate everywhere is all localized, you know, from location uh, statewide to different sections of the state. But even here locally, different neighborhoods might support different adjustments, whether it be in-ground swimming pool, decks, patios, but solar panels is one of those that it's hard for an appraiser to be able to identify that variable as the reason a property sold for significantly higher than the one that sold down the street. So just to preface this conversation, Pat's talking about adjustments. Uh, Within the scope of appraising, there's three approaches to value, sales comparison approach, the income approach, and the cost approach. The most popular uh, to your audience and, and most everyone is the sales comparison approach or a comparison analysis um, in which we use something called a paired sales analysis or what would we derive from the market. Um, So we use the paired sales analysis to derive our adjustments on a grid in which we compare multiple properties to a subject property. Now, these properties are all similar to the subject property with one variant, uh, different physical characteristic, feature, amenity, et cetera. Uh, and that's how we uh, theoretically derive our adjustment or go through our adjustment process. So when he's referring to adjustments um, in the market, that's what he's referring to. Yeah. So that approach, basically the sales approach, that's when you basically take that subject property. Let's say if you're a homeowner out there, your house and whatever house is in, you know, re- in your general area that recently sold that's like yours. Correct. Uh, that's about right. Yep. And just compare the prices versus the condition of the house. And that's where you come up with a value do adjustments based on bedrooms and features. That's and the theory or concept. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, you know, not to, uh, you know, nerd alert, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah. So we're comparing apples to apples, right? Red apples to red apples. Uh, you know, you'll find that there's only a handful of things that actually move the needle, you mm-hmm. know, and I always refer to those as your market drivers, condition, Square footage, location, obviously very important. You've got functional utility, bedroom, bathroom count. Garages can be something that moves the needle. At the end of the day, there are a lot of other factors that don't necessarily move the needle that might enhance your marketability, but don't necessarily, we can't define it and say, all right, you know, and isolate the variable to say, because you've got a newer roof, you know, your value is increased by X, you know. So for us, I'd love to tell you we're that good. We're not that good. So at the end of the day, it's more looking at what does move the needle, what's important to that buyer within the market, and that's how we derive our adjustments. In your experience of appraising homes, have you get given guys uh, – well, I, I understand how you, how you can't come up to the value and based on kind of your discussion here, but in your experience, have you given a house $20,000 more just because of solar panels? Never. Never. And I'll be be on the record here. I have done it once. I've made an adjustment for solar panels. Uh, It was considerably smaller than that. Um, You know, they were owned, and which we'll talk about here shortly. But um, I got more kickback from the underwriter 
at the mortgage company than I've ever had from any other appraisal I've done solely based on the value that I gave to those solar panels. So, you know, while, it, while it's hard to be received from as an appraiser to establish value, it's certainly even harder to be received from that mortgage lending and that underwriter that could be reading this, you know, in Michigan, wondering you know, where did you derive that adjustment. So any adjustment we make, we certainly have to support it. Yeah, so like it, when we're talking about adjustments, like there's adjustments for like swimming pools. Does this house have a swimming pool? Does it not have a swimming pool? Like on your appraisal forms, is there a dedicated field for solar panels? There's a dedicated field for energy efficient items, um, okay. in which most case, case cases you would apply uh, any kind of solar panel or uh, geothermal system or any kind of net zero home or any energy efficient home or item or feature. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause the reason why I asked that, this is what I find in most cases, like the people who actually do put solar panels on their house, they also go to the extreme and they'll put the geothermal right. system in, they'll put the energy efficient heat pump in all those things. So how do you, how are you able to break that out as saying it was just the solar panels? Is there even a way to do that? So you would put in, you would apply an adjustment on the actual sales, sales comparison analysis. And then within the body of the addendum on the, on the report, you would just discuss it and, and comment and quote and explain how and, and why you made that adjustment. Yeah, and I can, I can take it a step further. So what, what we're referring to is, you know, when homeowners, you know, approach and say, well, I've got a new HVAC, I've got a new roof. Um, when I talked about hard, being hard to isolate one individual variable, um, you know, when you've done, you know, the new windows, the new roof, the new HVAC, that's something that's a little bit more tangible that can be fit into that market driver category of upgrades to the home, condition of the home, and that's something that could potentially move the needle. Um, but when it comes to strictly solar panels, again, you know, it, it's, it's just not being received here locally, you know, as far as for us to be able to make an adjustment for that individual item. You know, it goes a little bit, I hate to put the tinfoil hat of conspiracy on here, but <laughs> before I get into that, let me, let me talk about our local, uh, power company, Dominion Energy. That's in Virginia. You know, I don't know what everybody else's is throughout the map, wherever you're watching this podcast or listening to this podcast from. But um, on the website of Dominion, okay, and by the way, I reached out to them for comments. I reached out to their media relations department, called them on Friday, and they have never responded to me when I asked them the questions. And it this relates to getting money back from unused solar energy. Never got a word back, so sorry, audience. I can't deliver that to you because... Maybe you guys can comment on that. Is there, you guys heard anything about that where you could sell your excess solar panel energy back to a broker or like I, a, I think it's either one or the other now. I think you used to be able to in uh, maybe a decade ago uh, ish. I can't find um, anything on that. Yeah. I think you used to be able to recycle the power through your meter and then any excess energy you used to be able to sell to a broker or the, the company that installed your your system, but I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think those systems that have been installed are still still grandfathered in today. Hmm. Well, uh, but, it would have uh, been nice for Dominion Energy to let us know, <laughs> yeah. but sorry, Dominion Energy. It looks like you just don't want to get into this discussion. But according to Dominion Energy's website, according to the 2006 National Renewable Energy Laboratory Center, mind you, 2006, this is an 18-year-old study, <laughs> It has been found that installed solar panels to your home can increase its value by roughly 15000 even if the system is medium-sized. 
Bigger homes can increase their value by nearly $30,000, making switching cleaner energy even more appealing. Still, you guys don't buy it. $30,000 for a medium or 15000 for a medium, possibly big size system, thirty. That's a lot. What's the, what's the average time span for someone to stay in a home or well, the average lifespan of a mortgage? That's what we were talking about earlier, the, the cost of, or the, the time it takes to recoup these costs. You know, where I, where I cringe is as an appraiser, I get calls from realtors saying, hey, do you have a cheat sheet? You know, what's a bathroom worth? What's a garage worth? What's yeah. a pool worth? And I always tell them, you know, it's different in every market. And you gave an example of an in-ground pool earlier. Um, you know, an in-ground pool in one neighborhood might be worth zero to 5000 In another neighborhood, it might be worth 20000 And again, it goes back to, you know, the, what I mentioned earlier is who's your buyer and how important it is to that buyer within that market. If you're in a, you know, two to $300,000 neighborhood and they were to sit down with their realtor, I can guarantee you that an in-ground pool is not going to be on their top five list of wants and desires. But if you take a similar buyer or another buyer and they're in million-dollar-plus neighborhood, that in-ground pool is going to be a lot higher on those folks' list, and you're going to see a little bit more of a market reaction or more of a premium to that to that in-ground pool. And I, I think the same logic would apply here, but again, it's just not being received here locally to where we can kind of isolate it and say this is exactly what that solar panel's worth. So there's not a consensus on value across the U.S. It could be worth more in California versus Virginia. It's definitely worth more in California. A, it's a warmer climate, and B, the utility bills are substantially higher than Virginia. Uh, Massachusetts, New Jersey, same thing. Florida, not so much because I think their utility bills are down a little bit, respectively. Uh, Texas, I saw, shot up quite a bit, um, which I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, but see, when, how I look at this is, is yeah, you're you may be lowering your energy bill, but the bill, the money is just going towards the interest that's being paid on these solar panels, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit that's later. A good point. But you know, the rates that they're charging for these solar panels is, is kind of mind boggling. Oh right? yeah, we're gonna get into that. But you know what boggles my mind is that the solar panel thing is being sold so hard by all these websites that I go to, not just because of the, I understand it's environmentally friendly. I get it. I get it. I get it. But how they come across the value added propositions on top of it, besides the environmental factor, they're trying to show you that it saves you money somehow, whether by, by reducing your electric bill or getting rid of it. But even our own government website, I I look, I went to the department of energy's website. Okay. And they said, buying solar, buying a solar system will likely increase your home's value. A recent study. Now, they highlighted a recent study. I hate it when people are too not, you know, vague about that. Oh, a recent study. Well, I found that recent study. The recent study is from Berkeley Lab from 2013. It's 11 years old. And it includes a researcher, a home appraisal expert, and seven appraisers from six states. Sounds like you could have cherry-picked that. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying, not saying it's politically motivated, but man, it smells like it. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, anyway, those guys, uh, those... Uh, Seven appraisers, that researcher and that appraisal experts, so seven, eight, nine people, they found that uh, that solar panels are viewed as upgrades, uh, just like a renovated kitchen and a finished basement. And home buyers across the country have been willing to pay a premium of about $15,000 for a home with an average size solar array. And they said there's evidence, you know, let's say where the evidence is from, homes with solar panels sell faster than those without in 2008, California homes with energy-efficient features 
uh, and PV were found to sell faster than homes that consume more energy. Keep in mind, these studies focus on homeowner-owned solar arrays. So maybe it does sell faster in California, but that's not necessarily the case. If you're an agent in California or some sort of real estate expert in the field, please leave a comment below. Let us know what you're seeing about these solar panels in California. So, okay, I've been in real estate since 2019. Uh, Sorry, 2018. I have not seen homes sell faster for solar panels. No, I've actually seen the exact opposite. Like, I've literally seen people walk in, look at... I've been in open houses where the payoff amount for the solar panels was sitting on the counter like, this must be paid for by the buyer at closing, and everybody's like, whoa, I'm out of here. Like, get, I'm out. Like, this isn't even an option. It's $30,000, $40,000 that you want the buyer to pay off these solar panels. No, and even most loans won't even allow the buyer to pay it off. Well, that's the thing. I don't know what you've seen. I've seen uh, prices owed, like these debts owed on these panels, anywhere from thirty to 60000 Yes. Is that where right, right around where you've yes. seen? Literally just had a deal last month in December. VA buyer couldn't buy the house. Uh, because the buyer, the seller thought that the buyer could pay off the panels, and the buyer can't pay it off with a VA loan. What? Seller had to pay it off, used thirty six thousand dollars of their forty thousand dollars in equity that they were supposed to get back. They walked away from the deal with four grand. So basically, if they have this forty thousand dollar debt on solar panels, the problem is if a buyer is using a loan, if they take out another loan to acquire these panels in order to buy the house, that's going to screw up their debt to income ratio. Yes. And they may not even get qualified for that loan anymore to buy the house. Correct. The loans will not allow you, these uh, mortgage loans will not allow you to rope in that debt to put another thirty or $40,000 on top of whatever they're already borrowing because the loan-to-value ratio would be completely off. Yeah, it would be over 100%. Yeah, so you can't go over 100%. The only one you can go over 100% is the USDA at 101. Yes. So... So that means that the seller, in order to sell his house, that homeowner, either the buyer is going to have to come up magically with forty, thirty thousand dollars out of their own pocket to buy it off separate, or they're going to have to take it out of their equity to, in order to sell the house. And I'll tell you what: if you only owned your house for less time as it would to be paying the panels off, like say uh, you were got into an area. You were here for five years and you went to go sell. But in the meantime, oh, by the way, you bought solar panels. Oh, my God. You might be breaking even on that house or losing money. Yep, that was the exact same thing. The person had bought the house five years prior. They put the solar panels on three years prior, and they didn't even recoup their investment into the solar panels. The buyer walked away with a free solar panel system. Well, and, and that, to your point, you know, for as an appraiser's perspective, that's common. You know, it's it's probably it, it's an outlier when they are owned. You know, when because the first question we ask as appraisers if they've got have solar panels on their house are they leased are they owned? Um, but yeah, it, that, that homeowner comes out and says leased, you're like, whoo, thank you. Well, I mean, either either aspect. I mean, then it falls back to, and I hate saying the consumer needs to do the due diligence. You know, when they're sold on this bag of goods, that it's going to increase your value because I've had homeowners look me in the eye and say. What are you What are you talking about? How are you telling me they're not going to increase the value of the home? But I would say, to your point, 
that becomes kind of the norm to where these things aren't paid off in probably eight out of 10 transactions that I do appraisals on. So there's always that factor of, all right, who's going to assume the, the, the payment? You know, is it going to be the owner? Is it going to be the buyer? And oh, by the way, can they still qualify for that loan wrapping that in on the back end, you know, with that additional payment? Because these financing deals more times than not transfer to the buyer, uh, you're seeing a lot more deals become killed or, you know, null and void, they're done. Uh, because, you know, they essentially can't qualify for the mortgage and the second loan. And how is that going to help your house sell faster? Exactly. You know, I mean, so I think when we're talking strictly from an own standpoint, again, back to my analogy, if you got 10 buyers for every home, right, I'm not out there doing it for number 10 or number one. I'm out there doing it for the individual in the middle, the typical buyer who, oh, by the way, that's who as agents you market to. And the important aspect is the lenders loaning to the typical buyer. So you've got a situation where if the typical buyer, you know, given two red apples, and as you said earlier, in some cases, it's deterred your buyers from buying a house with solar panels. Uh, you know, I can't sit down and look at the data and say, all right, if we have 10 potential buyers, nine out of 10 are going to buy that house with solar panels first because of the solar panels. The data is just not there. Yeah. You know, and in some cases, there's buyers that are scared because of the maintenance that's involved with these solar panels thinking, all right, I'm going to I'm going to have these solar panels. They're 10 years in, but I'm going to have problems down the road. I think, and I don't know if you looked at any of the studies, most of the uh, warranties run up to about 20 years, I yeah. saw was about typical. Um, so I just think it's, look, the older I get, the M word becomes bigger, and that's maintenance, mm -hmm. you know, when doing anything to my home, um, you know, because you just don't have the time, you don't have the uh, energy to do these things. And I think that's just adding another big M to your roof you know, going down the road and it just doesn't end with you put them up there. You never have to worry about it. You get the, the break of energy costs. Um, you know, that, that's, that's not the, the whole story. No, matter of fact, uh, I saw a couple, I don't know what you saw also, but I saw if, if the roof is more than 20 years old, they'll re recommend that you replace the roof. Yeah. So now if you have a roof, you got to put a new roof on, that's what five to 10 grand, depending on the size of your house on average. I yeah. Mean, and I think Brooks pulled, called them out saying that the same solar panel companies also replace roofs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, apparently, if you have a, a warranty on a new, even if it's a new roof, if you have a warranty, uh, a lot of these contracts for the warranties clearly state that, you know, it's null and void if you install these solar panels or the same company has to install the solar panels. Uh, the roofing company has to do the solar panels. I can see why, though, because you think about it. Anytime, and we had, you know, uh, home inspectors on before, and he'd made, and the last home inspector we had on the podcast, we can uh, leave that in the link as well. Uh, he's talking about that anytime you have a protrusion through the roof, it could potentially cause a leak later on. Mm -hmm. So, and he used to make it, he made mention of uh, satellite dishes, mm -hmm. right? And think about when you have all those solar panels across your roof and you're putting in how many bolts through the roof and and every time you put that intrusion on, that's a potential leak hazard. We even see that with like uh, vent pipes that come up that have to have the proper flashing and everything like that to prevent it from leaking. Yes. So my question is, and I don't know if you guys said it before, but what if the roof needs to be replaced? Now, somebody's, you know, roofing companies won't necessarily touch it. So now you got to have to have a technician come back out and take the panels off. Now, I've also seen on these websites that say, no, no, that's okay. But we include one free removal. Okay, well, if if Johnny Solar isn't around in 10 years, when you go to replace that panels, Mr. Consumer, Mrs. Consumer, 
who's going to be out of pocket to do it? Because that warranty no longer exists because that company's gone. Yeah, and that's actually a big problem. I mean, I was going to get into it in the financial aspect, but there are a lot of these solar panel companies that have gone out of business, and now the solar panels aren't working. But you took out a loan to pay off these uh, these panels with this lender, and this lender doesn't care if the panels are working. They want their money, so there are homeowners who are forced to continue making payments on solar panels that don't work. The company who made them or installed them is no longer in business. Let's talk about the finances because when I started doing some research on it, I got so mad. I was a little hot potato <laughs> because I thought that these things were more vicious than payday loans. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so I went to uh, a website, uh, solarreview.com, right? Mm-hmm. And they brought up Good Leap, which Good Leap uh, boasts itself. As the number one point-of-sales lender in America, Goodleap offers three solar loan options with typical APRs between 5% and 9% and ranging in terms from 7 to 25% or 25 years. Now, all of their loan options are centered around the tax credit, meaning you and every option, you have to apply the tax credit to the loan. They give you an 18-month period of time to file your taxes, and they tell you that you're going to get this money back in your income taxes. But when you read the actual federal uh, tax solar tax credit, it says, no, it's applied as a dollar-for-dollar dollar, you know, reduction of what you owe on your taxes. So... Not on the panels. What not you owe on, on the, the panels. Taxes. They're not stroking not you a check to check. say, hey, here's that check for those solar panels you no. put on. But the lenders, good leap, they require you to put that 30% down whether you got it back from the government or not. So that Okay, so everybody knows here that that tax thing that's 30% or 26%, wherever you read it, it's not a stimulus check coming to your house in your mailbox. Okay, <laughs> that's not going to happen. It's a tax deduction. Let me ask you this. I mean, we're not we're not tax professionals here, but no. what if what if uh, what if you're getting a tax refund? You don't owe any taxes at the end of the year. Where's what do you get for those solar panels? It, there was something in there where it said that it can be ruled over. It was a non-refundable um, tax credit and can be ruled over into subsequent years. Sounds like he's playing devil's advocate now. Yeah, this is. Interesting. Yes. But I'll tell you what it made it even crazier when I got to digging into the financial aspects of this a little bit further, right? Yeah. It says, Good Leap offered a solar loan with terms between 7 and 25 years and can offer rates at APRs of 1.99. However, the interest rate will typically be closer to 5 to 9% range, assuming the loan has a dealer fee. So I said, well, what's this dealer fee? Because I think this is important for people, right? Yeah. So dealer fees can add anywhere from 20 to over 35% of your loan principal to the the, the total cost, right? So then it's not in the panels. This is just Yeah, this is the dealer fee, right? So this is what the dealer is charging you. And so... They're charging you up to 35 and can be over 35, but they're expecting you to get a 30% tax credit back and pay that 30% on the loan. But it says the APRs will be higher if you don't have a dealer fee. 
Now, I think about the principles of lending money. If, uh, if I'm assuming risk as a lender and I and you come to me and say, hey, I want to borrow $10,000. Yeah. Okay. I assess the risk. And I say, okay, I'll loan you $10,000 at this rate. But if you say you need $20,000, well, then I can't loan you $20,000 at the same rate. I won't loan it to you at a higher rate because, therefore, it's a higher risk to me. But they're saying that if you don't have the dealer fees, then the APR will be higher. doesn't make sense to be a lower amount. should be the exact opposite. Right. So if you are even considering buying solar panels and this isn't a red flag to you, I don't know what is. Like, this is the – like, I equated it to this. Like, if I was – like, if everybody remembers the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, if a a salesperson came to my house and told me this, I'd be Uncle Phil in their ass right up out the house, (laughs) right out the front door. They would be jazz flying. (laughs) Like, this is the biggest red flag, and if you continue to move anywhere further in this process, you need to have your brain checked. I'm sorry. It just it doesn't make any sense Sounds to me. Sounds like a Best Buy credit card. Like, it gets even crazier. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, listen, there's one loan option where they will allow you to refinance your total house and oh, include oh, oh, oh. the sale of the solar problem. panels into the total mortgage. So now you are they're essentially allowing you to borrow cashing out your equity. That's what they're doing. Yeah. And that's assuming you have equity. Assuming yeah. you have yes. Equity. But not only that, the the principles of it doesn't even make sense because they're basically saying, Hey, look, the value of your this is how they're justifying the value of the house. They're saying, Look, your house is three hundred thousand dollars right now, right? These solar panels cost $40,000 to have them installed. We're going to refinance your mortgage loan. We're going to take first position, and we're going to finance it at $340,000. Now, if your house is not worth $340,000, they just put you upside down on a mortgage. How, how is that possible? Are they just basically doing their own type of financing? They are their, a government yeah, loan? They're, they're their own financer. It's their money. So it's, going, like private, going, it's, it's like a private. It's like a private loan. It's like two thousand six, two thousand seven, all a, over again. It's a private loan. No one's no one's going to question it because it's a private loan. Like if you tell me that, hey, I'm gonna can I'm gonna use my laptop as collateral. I want ten thousand dollars. If I loan you to ten thousand dollars at a thirteen hundred percent interest rate, no one's regulating that. You owe me that's thirteen hundred. Yeah. Regulated. So that's exactly what they're doing. They're saying, hey, it's our money. We're loaning it to you, and we're gonna give you at at three hundred forty thousand dollars at a nine percent APR on it, and. You got solar panels in your house, and saw, we're your new lender. I saw that uh, that they were doing. Uh, well, that's the first position. That's the first time I heard about. It, but I know of another one where they're they're actually putting a second mortgage on your house with those things too. Yeah, I mean, they even have them where you can pay interest only loans on them. What? <laughs> you only pay the interest oh in the hopes that at some point in time you're going to strike it rich and you're just going to be able to <laughs> dump the whole load of money onto it. It, the whole financing part needs to be regulated. I'm not sure where the CFPB is, and that's the what Consumer Financial Protection, Protection Bureau. Bureau. Yeah. Like, there's somebody needs to be investigating this. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you, you got into it a little harder. I went to Forbes, <laughs> and this was an article as early as January 2nd, 2024. And they were saying solar panel costs anywhere from $3,500. I don't see that happening. To thirty-five thousand, with an average expense of sixteen, installation can cost between fifteen thousand and twenty-five thousand. That must be that uh, dealer. Maybe I don't know. I don't yeah, know. They, it doesn't break down on their website what the dealer fee is. It just says that if you don't have it, your APR will be higher. Yeah, 
you can get 26%. Some people say 30. Some websites say 30 in federal tax credits. I've seen both sides bounce around on those two numbers. Again, this is not a check going to you. Okay. This is just a tax deduction. Okay. So let's go high end. Let's say for a high end system, it's 35 grand. And for low, and you get a tax credit of 9,100 up to tax credit. Again, this isn't a check coming to you. Um, and uh, what was it? Uh, let's go all the way on installation. Let's say like 15 G's, right? So 35 G's on a high-end system and 15 G's on a low-end for install. You're looking at 50 grand all in. That's actually consistent with some of the things I've seen on the debts for some of these people. You guys agree? Yeah. yeah. 50 yeah. is a good number. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So, so the solar loan company you did, I, I went through with an average, also according to Forbes. Four to seven percent interest can go as high as thirty-six percent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, lenders will also tack on an origination fee on top of the loan, so you're not just going to get fifty thousand dollars of solar panel and install costs, and that's it. No, the lender's not done with you yet. Not only do you have to pay interest, you're also going to have to pay some junk fees. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> that could be one to five percent of the loan amount, but some solar loans can come with origination fee as high as thirty percent. Right. Wow. Uh, so for a fifty thousand dollar solar loan, you know thirty five G's for ta- uh, panels and fifteen grand for installation, you're looking at an additional finance charge of anywhere from two thousand dollars upwards to fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So, and duration of these loans, they say, if secured, meaning the panels themselves are collateral, you could be anywhere from ten to thirty years for for paying for freaking solar panels. The longer the term of the loan, the less the payment, but the more you'll pay in interest at the end over time. Personal solar loans, meaning there's no collateral, typically have a repayment duration of one to seven years. So that's basically like paying a $50,000 car note on, yeah. on solar panels. <sighs> Listen, this is a lot to go through to save yourself a $300, $400 electric bill. Yes. And it, it ends up being you're paying it. You're, you're saving <laughs> money on your energy bill, but you're giving it to somebody else. Like, it's, yeah, it, it is. It's the biggest racket being perpetrated right now. Well, not only that, but the regulations are constantly changing, like with the wind. I mean, I think Hawaii just went maybe California and Hawaii where basically with these power brokers, you would reap the energy, sell it back to the power broker at a dollar and then they would charge you a dollar for same set energy. Well, now it's I think you reap the energy, you sell it to the power broker at a dollar or at 75 cents, they sell it back to you still for the dollar. So I, I think <laughs> they, yeah, they, these numbers are, are, are shifting and changing, but uh, who knows, man? All right. You and got- just to, didn't mean to cut you off. No, there. go ahead, man. Just to touch up on the whole financing deal. I know that we discussed good leap and, and these uh, adjustable rate you know, loans that these companies are, are portraying, but Fannie Mae just came out. I don't know if you guys, your audience is aware of Fannie Mae's our uh, gover- governing loans. body. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, they, they gave us recent guidelines uh, for the four different types of financing. So one, they're owned outright, mm-hmm. uh, paid cash up front. They're yours. Uh, two, they're financed. And there's two ways to be financed. Uh, one, being uh, basically permanently affixed to the property uh, and they're yours and and B being the the power brokerage. 
Um, in which case you don't even own those solar panels. They're still going up on your roof, but the power company still owns them. Hmm. They're just selling you back that energy that you are recouping. Um, and then the fourth being leased. So we are only even allowed to give contributory value to the homeowners during the appraisal process if they are owned outright or they are being financed as real property. Mm. I just wanted to clarify that. No, no, no. That's Thanks good. That. No, that's good. But panels themselves, as we discussed, uh, as far as because of the lack of data out there, and a lot of times buyer demand is what's going to drive what people are going to value the most. You know, it was buyers, like you guys asked, you know, what is, is buyers uh, sit down with us during a buyer consultation and say, find me a house with solar panels immediately? No, none of them do. Uh, so that's like the last thing that they want. If anything, I've found that they have a lot of questions about that, such as, well, what does it cost to maintain? I don't know. <laughs> well, what do I do if I have to replace my roof? <laughs> Got to find somebody to come down and take them off and pay for that and then replace the roof, then pay for somebody to come out and put them back on. That that M word, the big M word. Yeah. The, 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 the M -word. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you got to keep them clean because yeah. they're dirty. They probably won't work as good. No, the efficiency goes down. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was chuckling earlier when he was talking. You know, we pull up to a house and we see those 16 or 20 panels on the roof. First thing we ask about the solar panels is, do you own them outright? Yeah. When that homeowner says, no, we, we lease them. It's like, man, I don't have to find any comps or have to <laughs> explain it all or anything in my report. About those, uh, but, those but, solar panels. But 10 out of 10 buyers or owners, excuse me, feel that they're given, you know, should be adding value to yeah. the home. And so, again, I think it's from what we talked about earlier is how they're presenting these solar panels, not from an energy efficient standpoint. Their number one selling yeah. feature is this is going to increase the value of your home. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's a terrible approach. And again, unfortunately, a lot of consumers don't do the due diligence to sit down and go through like we are today. Um, you know, to, to determine the pros and cons. And, and, and with anything you do to your home, I think the first question is always, how long do you intend on being in the home? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I'll go back to the in-ground swimming pool. Um, anybody out there that's priced the swimming pool, put in a swimming pool in the last couple of years, you know, what we saw, you know, and we'll talk maybe other market features here soon, but, you know, even as a result of COVID, we started seeing a little bit more of a premium to outdoor living. Yeah. You know, to the outdoor kitchens, People the pools, and, and yeah, and you started seeing pool prices go up. You know, the time to get in a pool was a year to two years before you could get somebody out there to put it in. It's a high demand. And, and people are paying, you know, sixty to $100,000 for these in-ground swimming pools. And, you know, you're not going to get that back in the market. You know, you might get 10000 You might get 20000 depending on the neighborhood. But my, my commentary to individuals that call and say, hey, we're thinking about putting in a pool – how much more is it going to increase our value? My first question is always, how long do you intend on being in the house? Because if you're going to be in the house 10, 15 years, then you're going to get that level of utility out of enjoying the pool, which to me is worth something. Right. You know, it's tangible that we've got great usage out of the swimming pool for the last 10, 12 years. Yeah, we might get only 20 back, but I think those other costs are kind of consumed with your enjoyment of the pool, whereas these solar panels were, you know, the typical expectancy of a buyer is, you know, depending on which um, statistics you go on, seven to 10 years, um, you know, they're not going to have these things paid off prior to the time that they decide to sell and move on, assuming that that's just the average. I'm finding a lot more, especially we're in a military, high military uh, market here in Virginia Beach, 
Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, they don't anticipate selling and, oh, by the way, they've been transferred and three years in, they're having to leave these and they've got these solar panels that they still owe thirty eight, forty thousand dollars $40,000 on. And, you know, so that's where it becomes, you know, I, I, I just look at the, you look at the numbers, you look at the time. And I think any homeowner should ask themselves before doing anything is how long do we intend on being in the home? Because I think it's always hard to, to for anybody to say by doing X, it's going to get you Y. You know, I think there's a a lot of conversation in the middle between that X and Y that need to be, you know, need to take place before you decide to do anything to your home. And that's a a great point. And I think, you know, even on the other side of that argument and, you know, we've been sitting here bashing um, solar panels panels for 20 minutes, but uh, (laughs) it's all warranted. But the other side of that argument is, you know, there, there might be a benefit or two if, you know, you're planning on staying in this home for 25, 30 years. You know, if you can do the math and it adds up and, you know, you can recoup that savings in 11, 12 years and pay off these things with the savings over time. And you can clearly see that. then, you know, that there's surely some benefits there. And, you know, I think that the solar panels will certainly evolve as well over time. Um, you know, and, and Pat's probably going to give us his analogy on plasma TVs here done that already? coming up, um, but, um, yeah. but, but yeah, you know, Elon Musk and Tesla's coming out with, uh, you know, roofing shingles, mm-hmm. you know, where basically is a, a lot more aesthetically pleasing and yeah, it looks like uh, roof shingles. Yeah. It, it doesn't, you know, look like just flat black mats on your, on your roof. How much is that roof going to cost? Yeah, it's probably going to be a little bit more, more <laughs> than a typical solar panel, but, uh, but Pat, you can go ahead and, no, and, and I, talk you know, about I, it. I had an individual that dipped his toe into the solar panel, uh, industry, if you will. And his comment to me was, you know, he asked me about my first plasma TV and what I paid for that plasma TV. And I told him four to $5,000. And he said, how much do you pay for that plasma TV today? And, you know, I told him $500 Sam's Club or or wherever. But, you know, it hit me then when he said that. He said, look, in 10, 15 years, these solar panels, they'll be putting them up there for nothing. You know, it's going to be a lot cheaper, you know, whether the government gets involved and starts, you know. um, Might even be a part of the the building code. So, you know, there's a way for it to be absorbed. But, you know, I do think the cost for these solar panels, look, $50,000 you know, and I, again, when we'd go into these neighborhoods of $300,000 homes and seven of the houses on the same street, you know, it's like they had a great salesman that hit them all and whether yeah. he gave them a discount. But, you know, from, from an appraiser's perspective and, and how we look at it and look from a marketability perspective as agents, right, what's number one rule in, in selling a house? Curb appeal. You know, it, it's not rocket science. It's still curb appeal is is something that, you know, is very important to the sale of a home in a, in a normal market. Obviously, we've been through some crazy years in the last three or four years. But, you know, I think from an aesthetic standpoint, sometimes if you've got these solar panels on the front of the house, you know, it just doesn't look good. It doesn't add to the curb appeal. And so I think there's so many other little factors that are associated with these. And it, it goes back to the same original point of, you know, if there's 10 buyers for every home, you know, some buyers might not want the solar panels because of the maintenance, because of the way they look on the house. So, you know, and again, but their upfront marketing ploy is it's going to increase the value of your home. So what can, so aside from solar panels, because they're not cheap yet, you know, like the plasma TVs, you know, they're, they're still, uh, they're still a little bit pricey. But what can uh, some of our viewers do if they wanted to increase the home value the best way, based on your guys' experience of appraising homes? 
I'll, I'll, I'll retract a little bit. He's and, really good. No, at this I'm, I'm just tell. I'm thinking of you know. So I have four daughters. In full disclosure, yeah, um, yeah. So my effective age is a lot older than than I actually am. Anybody <laughs> out there has daughters. Yeah, I mean. um, it goes, you know, talking about how you can you reduce energy costs and things like that. If I touched the thermostat as a kid, my hand would have been probably broken three different ways. Okay, <laughs> I have four daughters, and every time I go down the hallway, it's at a different number. You know, and so I've, I'm getting to the point where I want to put one of those little boxes with the key on it so they can't touch it. So I think there's other ways. You know, obviously, and again, I'm, I'm a bad example with four daughters and showers and, you know, lights on. And But, you know, so I think I think from that standpoint, it'd be more beneficial there if you're that serious about your energy cost, mm-hmm. you know, to first apply that approach. Um, but anyway, when we start talking about, you know, things that you can do to increase the value of your home, again, I always think it comes back to those market drivers versus market enhancers and people telling you by doing X, it's going to get you Y. We're only as good as the market. And as agents, when you're doing your CMA, you're only as good as the market. If you've got enough data points, uh, and you know, and what I mean by data points is you've got a neighborhood that has 10 sales that have closed within the last six months that walk, talk, and smell just like you, it's easy for us to go in and say, hey, if you do X, you know, it's going to get you close to Y. I think for agents that might be listening to this podcast, I think it's a conversation that you guys as professionals can have because you get that question all the time. Mm-hmm. What can we do to our home to increase the value? I think, again, that first question needs to be how long do you plan on being there? And, oh, by the way, you know, what's important to the buyer within this market? And treat it, though, that, you know, regardless of whether or not, you know, I can tell you it's going to increase the value. Can I tell you an exact number? You know, I think it's a challenge to give that exact number. But I think if you approach it like, you know, we know it's going to help increase the value of your home, but we also know it's going to enhance your marketability and make you more attractive to your house as opposed to the two or three that are listed down the street. I think that should be the first approach. Um, But with anything that you do to your home and from an appraiser's perspective, you know, we've got to find it in the market and mm-hmm. be able to kind of isolate it. And, you know, again, back to that scenario of 10 homes that have recently closed, it's easy for us because we can look at the five sales that have been completely remodeled and what they're selling for versus the five that haven't and be able to tell you, hey, look, no, I think if you do X, Y, and Z, you remodel the kitchen. Rem- kitchen and baths are still one of the primary drivers for most buyers when, when looking for a home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think you can go wrong there with upgrading the kitchen, upgrading the bath. Again, if you're going to be in the house, you're going to get the enjoyment out of those factors. But, you know, for investors, you know, and people that are looking to buy and, and flip, if you will, you know, you're looking at it more from a perspective of, all right, what's the flip product worth? You know, mm-hmm. red apple to red apple. And again, back to my analogy of who's your buyer, I look at it from a standpoint of the same buyer that's looking for a renovated or remodeled product is not also the same buyer that's looking for something that needs TLC. So mm-hmm. I think when I do my my market analysis or approach, you know, I go by that who's your buyer, what's important to that buyer within the market, and try to try to you know use comparables that fit that same bill as opposed to. And quick example, I've had agents that show up to a property and I've got a four hundred thousand dollar non waterfront home. And they hand me six hundred thousand dollar waterfront comps and say, "Well, if you if you just back out the six hundred the the money for the for the water, there's your number." When my my comment to them is, "Well, it's not the same buyer. Mm-hmm. You know, the same buyer that's looking for a two thousand square foot home is likely not the same buyer that's looking for a five thousand square foot home." So there's certain parameters that we go by to kind of be able to identify that buyer, what's important to that buyer, and that's how we derive our adjustments. And that's why I say adjustments change in every appraisal we do. Garages are worked different in certain neighborhoods than other neighborhoods. Pools, the same thing. So, 
you know, it's it's more than just, you know, a blanket adjustment for a pool, a blanket adjustment for a bathroom. Every market's different and uh, every adjustment can be different within that market. I don't know if as agents, when you guys are doing your CMA, are you taking into consideration of, all right, who are we marketing to here, you know, and looking at it from that standpoint? No, actually, that's really an eye-opening uh, way of looking at it. We never actually went recently been, sold and yeah. looked at their features and bounced them off the, uh, the subject. Yeah, but I've yeah. never showed up with uh, waterfront properties in order no, to answer the inquiries on a non-waterfront house. You'd be surprised. Yeah, waterfront surprised. to waterfront. That's yeah. it. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I love that. Uh, you know that analogy of you know think, putting your who's your buyer in the perspective in order to determine what you know values, what things are going to bring up the value of the house. Well, and it just brings us back to when I was discussing the paired sales analysis and the sales comparison approach from the appraisal process standpoint. Um, it's very subjective from that standpoint is, you know, we very seldom find 10 sales in the subject's immediate market area, immediate neighborhood. So, you know, finding that apple to apple uh, is, you know, almost impossible unless you're in, you know, a condo complex or some very... Um, Cookie cutter Co- yeah, neighborhood, co- conformative yeah. neighborhood, like uh, a Ryan so Holmes speak. community. Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's more red apples to green apples um, instead of apples to oranges. We're trying to, to find something as as similar as we can to the subject, but there, you know, is certainly some sub- subjectivity and. Yeah, I always say it's okay to change the shade of apple, yeah. mm. just don't change the fruit. Right. You know? yeah. And so I think you, that should apply to any homeowner that's thinking about selling their house. And we've heard it, you know, hey, my neighbor just sold down the street for X and we think we're should be X plus whatever. And then you look into it and that house that sold down the street is 500 square foot bigger. It's been remodeled. It's got the pool, the outdoor kitchen. And you're going, well, you know, so I think the same logic applies from an appraiser. I, I think what we all do in the real estate, you know, whether it's an agent or an appraiser is roughly the same. And I always get the, the question of, how ironic is it that the appraisal comes back in at sales price 99% of the time, you know, and I get that kind of corner, that side look. And I always say, well, if the agent did their job correctly, it should be, it should be coming in at sales price 99% of the time as appraisers, we exist for those outliers, you know, for that one or 2% that may be paying more than, than what they should be for certain items. You know, obviously again, back to the typical buyer, you know, if you've got a neighborhood that's, you know, and it's typical to have maybe a one-car garage, but yet you've got a subject property that has a five-car detached garage, mm-hmm. right? To the typical buyer, they're not sitting down with their agent saying, we need a five-car detached garage, but I recognize that there's a buyer that works on cars, has antique vehicles, and says, you know, honey, stop the car. You know, we need this house. It's got the five-car detached garage. But, you know, I'm in the market to kind of protect them from overpaying for that five car because reality for, for us, and, and we kind of lived it in 08, 09 when the foreclosures kind of hit the market, you know, that bank takes that property back. And at the end of the day, that's who we're there to protect, you mm-hmm. know, we're the eyes and ears for the lender. You know, now they're in the market for just finding somebody that strictly needs a five car detached garage. And so that's why we're there to protect, you know, on the back end to say, no, we're there to do it for the typical buyer, what's important to the buyer within this market. And, and to protect, ultimately, the lender. I always say the last person on the planet we're out there doing the appraisal for is the listing agent. Mm-hmm. And that's who we're out there meeting, and that's who they, they, they think we're out there for the list, you know, as, you know, to represent them. But 
we're out there to I always represent feel like the it's going to be a chess match. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I'm like, I'm like, nothing gives uh, listing agents more anxiety or uh, high blood pressure than when the appraisal is happening. It's like, oh shit, come on. <laughs> I just hope that's okay. Well, well, I thought it, those comps were right. It, Hopefully they're and right. You know what? And that's why, as any agents that are listening, always meet the appraiser from the simple standpoint that it does add a human element. You know, and if you've got an idea of how you priced it, present it to the appraiser. I get it. I get calls all the time from agents saying, I don't like how that just went down. I didn't feel comfortable with this appraiser, you know, but you need to, you know, you're working on behalf of your client and, and to show up and be able to present them the sales and say, hey, this is why we priced it the way we priced it and give them examples and, and adjustments of how you came up with your market value, I think goes a long way. I've been doing this 25 years. When I first started, 98% of agents probably met me at the properties. Now it's probably maybe 10% of agents actually meet me at the property when I'm there to do the appraisal. So, you know, I think if anything, for from agents listening, meet the appraiser, um, you know, present them what you have and have a reasoning for why you price it the way you price it. And again, at the end of the day, it might be just a human element, which you talked about with appraisers. You know, look, I think bedside manner is important in everything, right? Mm-hmm. You got a good surgeon, bedside manner is important. As an agent, you guys have to have good bedside manner because you're salespeople. Right. I think with appraisers, you know, we're hired by the bank or the lender or the client, and, you know, we're there to give an opinion of value. I do think that here locally we get a big pushback on from some appraisers because they don't have that, you know, that bedside manner, and they feel like, you know, as you said, I'm worried, I'm nervous. Look, it's important to these people, especially when we do refinance appraisals. You know, these people are, you know, this refinance can make or break them, you know, whether or not they're able to do it. So, you know, it's nice when you have appraisers that understand and realize that, you know, now this is a trying time for them, you know, and and to I cringe when I hear an agent call or a homeowner call and say, you know, the appraiser was, you know, he was he was an ass, you know, and I didn't feel comfortable about it, you know, and I think that's just, you know, we're there to promote public trust at the end of the day as appraisers. You know, with everything happened back in 08, 09, and that fallout, you know, there was a lot of removal of that public trust. And every, you know, from the agent, you know, we all blamed each other, right? No, it's mm-hmm. the lender's fault, it's the agent's fault, it's the appraiser's fault. Um, you know, we're there to promote the public trust. We're there to be that that mediator to say, all right, you know, you're getting ready to, we talked about loaning money. You know, we're going to give this 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 couple X amount of thousands of dollars to secure this loan on this house that's where we come in, you know, to kind of work. I always say we're like the weakest link, you know, we get paid the less, um, but, we won't, we won't. but I think it's meant that way for a reason, you know, to where, yeah, we, we've got, we, we don't have as much skin in the game. We don't have the emotion in the game. You know, it's our job to protect the lender and the buyer. And that's kind of the, the easy way of looking at it. And if you apply that to the solar panels, if we give this considerable amount of money for solar panels, you know, in the appraisal process, and for whatever reason, 10 years down the road, they're not working, you know, we've we've overinflated the value for this house because it had solar panels, and now you know they're null and void. The company's gone out of business. They've just let them go and not working. So, I think the important thing to understand here is yes, we're there to protect the buyer and the lender, and you know that's why you know when we adjust and make the adjustment process, we try to you know be able to isolate it and and support it in the market to where. When it comes back on us, we can feel comfortable and put our feet in the sand to say, no, this is our estimate of value. It's an opinion. I think that's important to note as well from an appraiser's perspective. But 
I'm done. I'm exhausted. Brooks, <laughs> you got any? All right, final thoughts. Yep. Yeah, what do you got, said Brooks? He had four daughters. This is like the only time he gets yeah. an opinion. So he <laughs> tends to uh, yeah. embellish. 100% but, true. But no, I, I mean, we would we would love to come out and, and give these people ten to fifteen to $20,000 adjustments on these appraisals, you know, for, for the positive, uh, you know, towards their overall value, market value uh, for these solar panels. But it's just, it, it's not feasible now. We, we just don't have enough data to say that, you know, these two properties are selling $20,000 more than these two properties just because of the solar panels. Uh, a, you know, they're not popular enough. We don't have enough data. And B, uh, it's just very difficult to extract that market reaction. And not any, not any buyer that I've ever come across even wants them. <laughs> right, <laughs> and that's that's the answer. I mean, simply put, that's the answer yeah. because demand. Look, supply and demand in real estate is it, and that demand side of it. If you've got buyers that you know, there's no demand for the solar panels. You know, when they're out looking at properties, you know, you're just not going to see an increase in value because of those solar panels because that buyer is just not willing to pay the additional money for those solar panels. Yeah. The, the typical buyer. Yeah, I yeah. think agents are going to play a major role in, in the fate of these solar pa- panels moving forward. You know, if you guys can um, dissect uh, what they're actually doing for the consumer, what they're doing for the buyers, these homeowners, and put them on your listings, your MLS sheets, um, you know, we can actually use that and, and dissect it and, put it forth on our appraisals. Well, Brooks, if it's up to me, I'll kill the solar panels. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. as much heartache I, I, as I've I seen it. behind it. Yeah. As much heartache and, and, and how much it complicates the real estate transaction, I can't ever endorse it. It's, yeah. it's just, it's terrible for homeowners, man. Absolutely horrendous. Yeah. What are your final thoughts, Joshua? That's it. It's a horrible <laughs> idea. Don't do it. That's my final thought. It just doesn't add up. No. No. It seems like simple a, math. A lot to go through to save for a, a little electric bill when you can turn down the AC units, put more insulation in your attic, yeah. get some LED light bulbs. I right. mean, keep your daughter from touching the thermostat. Yeah, put right. a lock on yeah. the thermostat. <laughs> I mean, bidets help to dang on save trees, but you don't have salesmen <laughs> coming in your house trying to steal you bidets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, buy this asshole washer. <laughs> yeah. It's working like, out really well. Come on. No. All right. Well, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for viewing. Thanks for watching. If you like this video, go ahead and hit subscribe. Leave a comment below. Oh, agents out there and and solar panel enthusiasts alike, let me know your comments below. What do you think? If you have a scary story of solar panels, we want to hear about it. Leave a comment below. Again, like the video. Follow us. Thanks for watching. See you soon.